This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, uh, back to you again after some technical difficulties uh, caused our uh, last podcast not quite make it to the air, but we're here now and uh, excited to be back with you on the line once again, our old buddy, fellow editor at RedLegNation.com, Bill Lack. You doing all right today, Bill? Doing all right. Less than a month till opening day. Yeah, I'm going to need you probably at some point uh, during this podcast or at some point to to rein me in a little bit because I'm I'm letting the excitement get get to me a little bit I'm I'm really uh, I don't know I got those uh, Pete Rose colored glasses on I guess I, I just good good feelings good thoughts about some of these young guys I'm I'm excited I'm as excited as I've been in a long time uh, and that's saying something after having gone through nine straight losing seasons to well we'll have to give excited. you a dose of reality at some point here in the in the next few minutes well, I'm afraid that once the season starts a reality will sink in but uh, and it won't be pretty. But anyway, let's jump right into it. We've got a lot of things we want to discuss today. And uh, the first topic of conversation that I thought uh, we might want to get into is really what's got me excited uh, so much here recently. It's all these young pitchers the Reds have that are really starting to uh, impress more and more. And, and the more we get to look at them in uh, spring training, uh, well, I'm just I'm amazed. I, I don't remember a time with the Reds having this much uh, really good young pitching talent. Um, we all know about Homer Bailey and Johnny Cueto, and we'll talk with them in a moment. But And, of course, this is another topic we've sort of beat to death, but I don't think you can talk about it enough. Uh, national media is talking about it now, and that's uh, young Araldis Chapman. Um, he continues to impress, does he not? Yeah, he does. Yeah, and, I think, and I think I even posted this today. There's, a, you know, there's an up and a downside to that. Um, and I think this, you know, kind of becomes kind of self-perpetuating. You know, the, the, he looks good, so the media gets wound up. The media gets wound up. You know, it pressures the Reds' front. Or, you know, it, the media winds up the fans. The fans lean on the organization. You know, you hope somebody has some semblance, some enough sense to to, to rein it in, so that this kid isn't rushed along. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. And, you know, John Fay has uh, the beat writer for the Inquirer has speculated about uh, Araldis being brought north on the opening day roster. And I saw her today or yesterday. Mark Sheldon, the uh, MLB.com beat writer, said the same thing. At this point, it's looking awfully uh, like there's an awful good chance that he'll actually make the team. And I, I don't know. Of course, there are guys that get paid a lot more money than I do and uh, know a lot more about the situation than I do. But I'm concerned that's not the best thing for Chapman. But, um, you know, what are you going to do if he keeps pitching the way he's been pitching? Well, I still don't think that means that he's that he's major league ready. I, you know, small sample size, yada yada yada. He's very young. I think you do what I think the Reds and I hope that they did have a plan going into the spring training, and that they aren't going to be swayed by you know, fifteen or twenty innings or whatever he throws out there in, in Arizona in in the spring. That they stick to whatever their plan was. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh... But then, uh, you know, you also got. I'd like to be a sort of privy to some of those internal discussions because 
maybe they had a plan, and maybe the fact that uh, you know his uh, his off speed stuff, his slider breaking stuff, is looking a lot better than uh, anyone expected when they came in. I mean, we had uh, I think I've linked to three different reports from scouts that have seen uh, Chapman pitch just this week. One of them was a scout for Kansas City, and his four word uh, reaction was, "quote I mean." Holy cow, you know, after watching, so they clocked him at 102 on the uh, radar gun. Um, just posted a, a scouting report from Keith Law over at ESPN, uh, and sort of the most interesting excerpt from his uh, scouting report was this. I got my first live look at Aroldis Chapman on Monday in a game in Goodyear. It was attended by a few hundred other people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have a two-word scouting report. That'll work. In terms of mechanics, Chapman takes an enormous stride towards the plate, pronates his arm reasonably early. The arm path isn't long. There's no violence or other major red flags in the delivery. If he stays healthy, he's a number one starter and should be able to come, well, he says come north or coming east this year, but come north with the Reds in some role this year if they want him on the big league roster. The thing that concerns me a little bit, and, and, and this may have just been, and I just only saw this the one day, I mean, he's been very effective, and there's no denying that. But but he still isn't throwing a huge percentage of strikes, and, and to me, that's kind of a red flag that maybe these 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 um, issues with his control aren't really as ironed out as as we'd hope. You know, and, yeah. and, and I may be completely off the mark there, but I know the, the other day he he had thrown he threw just a you know not too far above fifty percent of his pitches were strikes. And I think that for the most part, comments from the Brian Price, the pitching coach, and, and Jockety and Dusty Baker, they have been pleased with his. Uh, well, I don't know about pleased, but his his control has been better than some people expected. But certainly nowhere close to what it's going to have to be for him to be a long term effective pitcher. So, yeah, I think clearly starting out somewhere in the minor leagues is the best bet for this young man. And, and we've talked before about. Not just in terms of getting him ready for baseball-wise, but it's a guy that you know has been living in Cuba his whole life. Uh, he's got to get used to what it's like to be a baseball player in America, uh, just just on the life side of it. Yeah, and and you know that's an adjustment for for anybody that that goes into organized baseball. You know, after talking to guys over the years that that have gone into baseball from college, you know, I haven't talked to as many guys that came straight from high school, but it, it's even a a change for the guys that go from college that end up in Billings or, or down uh, was down in Sarasota. Now it'll be in Goodyear. You know, finding you know having to take care of yourself, finding you know finding being able to find a place to eat after the game, taking care of yourself, eating right, those kinds of things. He needs to you know. Of course, it's a lot easier to take care of those things when you're on a major league roster when you got a hundred dollars a day in meal money. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, well, there's just a, a whole lot of issues that go into that, but the the fact. I guess everyone's agreed that this uh, this kid has a boatload of talent. He's been uh, everything the Reds could have hoped for, I think. And so whether they whether he makes the team out on opening day, uh, and we're agreed that he probably shouldn't. Um, whether he does or not, though, you know, if this kid can stay healthy, we may have a may have a gem on our hands here. So yeah, that's, that's I, I don't exciting. think anybody at this point is questioning the signing. No. No, I think everyone's agreed that it was worth every penny and more, especially when you consider how the Reds structure the contract. Uh, that um, you know they're going to maybe have him under their uh, under team control um, at a fixed cost for longer than uh, you know if they just dumped a bunch of money on him up front, like uh, generally happens in these situations. So right. you know, and, and another part of this situation that, that uh, our, our our poster Pinson three forty three brought up. 
that that this kind of the 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 PR that the Chapman's getting kind of takes the emphasis off of Homer and allows Homer to you know not to have to answer all the questions and be the center of attention and all that and he can go about his business and that may be a secondary effect of this that I don't think anybody planned or anything like that but it could benefit us. Oh, I think that's absolutely a, a, a wonderful observation, and it's something that I actually want to talk about in a moment. We'll go ahead and jump into it now because it's a perfect, uh, uh, sort of a perfect storm of events, uh, or it could be. You know, Homer Bailey has been, well, he's been a Raldus Chapman in, in previous uh, spring trains where everybody was kind of watching him to see what he's going to do. And, um, and this year, every, he had sort of his breakthrough last year, and everyone's, uh, you know, talked about how Homer, there was a, uh, Paul Doherty uh, in the Inquirer wrote that uh, you know he's grown up. Our homers have finally grown up on us, you know. Um, but you think about—I I never would have guessed. I guess the way to put it is, I never would have expected that in the spring training of the year when Homer Bailey was finally expected to take his spot in the starting rotation for Cincinnati, that he'd kind of be an afterthought. And that you, I agree 100% with, with you and with uh, with Pinson. That's a fantastic uh, thing because it gives him a chance to go about his business without uh, all that pressure on him. And we we're already hoping Bailey would have a, a a big year this year. You know, maybe this is going to help. Yeah, uh, it sure isn't going to hurt. Uh, and I think any time you, you, any pressure you can take off of a young player is going to help him. Definitely, definitely, and. Uh, you know, and it, it, you talk about that pressure. I wonder how uh, much of the pressure is getting through to Chapman, given that he doesn't speak the language uh, very well, if at all. Uh, so uh, it may not be affecting Chapman as young and confident as he is and, and not being able to speak the language. But, um, uh, you know, another thing, it's taken some, uh, some of the pressure off, I was going to say Homer, but also Johnny Cueto, you know. We talk about these young pitchers that we're so excited about. Cueto's still a young guy. Um, and, and Bailey and Cueto uh, have a good chance of being the top two starters on the, in this rotation this year if things go well. And so um, not only am I excited about being able to say that about two young pitchers like that, but, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully like I said, a perfect storm. Things are, uh, things are setting up well for some of these pitchers to have a big year. Yeah, you, 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 had a, you, you posted, I think, it was, I think you posted a list of all the young pitchers you know, and the point isn't that they're all going to be successful, but the point is if you've got this many that seem to have some talent, you only need a handful of them to be successful, and you and you put together quite a staff. Exactly. You know, um, a couple of the, the ones that uh, pitched this week and did uh, fairly well, Mike Leake, last year's first-round draft pick, uh, made his sort of, uh, not his major league debut, his spring training debut at the club and, and just looked like he'd been around forever. Everyone, uh, Everyone's... Uh, reaction to it was just that he just had command he acted like he knew what he was doing out there act like he'd been there before and uh, that was sort of his uh scouting report was that the guy just knows how to pitch he doesn't he's not going to overwhelm you with his fastball or uh you know he's not tall uh, but he, the kid knows how to pitch and and similarly Travis Wood uh, has pitched uh, you know his first outing this year after coming off an incredible year last year uh, you know, with a 1.21 uh, ERA last year when he was in Double uh, A before getting brought up, he he had a great uh, spring debut. So you see those two guys, Leak and Wood. And you see guys like well, Maloney Homer. had a good first appearance, also. Yeah, he got lit up uh, earlier today, evidently. But uh, yeah, but he looked uh, really good. I, the game that he pitched, the first game was the was the television game that I got to see on Fox Sports, and I got a chance to watch him, and he looked like he had command, and and I still think he's the leader in the clubhouse for that fifth spot in the rotation, which we're going to be 
talking about later in the podcast. But um, and then you got some of these you know other guys in the in the minors. I mean, there's so many you know uh, you know even our our buddy uh, Matt Clinker all the way down. You've got a number of guys, and, and you don't have to have you need to have really four or five of them turn out. Uh, you know, and you're going to have one of the best rotations in the game, and so I like our I like the chances of that. And if there's one thing for Reds fans to sort of hang their hat on to be excited about, that's it. And that's what's sort of gotten me so excited over the last couple of weeks, just watching these young guys. Yeah, it's just un- almost unprecedented. It hasn't happened in a long, 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 long time that we've had this kind of pitching talent in the organization. Yeah. Uh, now that said, I'm not sure how many spots. Uh, in the starting rotation or in the bullpen are available uh, this year. Uh, you know, there seems like uh, not just in the rotation, but on, on the entire roster, there are very few open spots. A lot of people that are fighting for sort of a limited number of spaces. Um, who do we have in the starting rotation? I guess it has the team. We got four that have got the team made: uh, Aaron Harang, Bronson Arroyo, Johnny Cueto, and Homer Bailey. You would think. Uh, so we got a bunch of guys going for that fifth spot. Who you think is going to win it? I don't. I mean, I'm not ready to predict who's going to win it. It's too early in the spring. I, I said going in that Lair is is the guy that I, you know, I would guess. But I think I think the guys that are in competition for it. I think you got Chapman. I think you got Lair. I think you got Owings. You think you got Wood, Maloney, and even maybe Wells are all in competition for it. Um, and the question I think is how quickly do they weed down? Because there aren't going to be a whole lot of innings to to get a good look at it at five or six guys for that number five spot. Okay, wait a minute. I'm back now. I had to step away from the mic for just a moment there. Um, I threw up uh, when you said something about Kip Wells having a chance of making the starting rotation. Now um, I heard you were the president of the Kip Wells fan club. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, fully paid member, and uh, and not that I'm also the president. Oh, good grief. Uh, I'm not going to get into Kip Wells because uh, the whole idea that he might have a chance of making the major league roster disgusts me. The guy has uh, been terrible for the last seven teams he's played for. There's no uh, no excuse for that. But uh, back to the the, the point. I, my opinion has been I said it a moment ago and, and now uh, that Matt Maloney probably has a bit of an edge over everyone because I think the Reds want a left-hander. Uh, I think he might get a better shot. And he finished the year up last year. But you're right. There's a lot of guys. Dusty Baker said uh, today that you know. Cuts. I don't know when they're going to do cuts, but he sort of was complaining offhand to Mark Sheldon earlier today that you know it's it's hard to get everybody enough time. At some point, you know he's got to get his guys ready that he knows are going to be on the team, and so they're going to have to do some cutting. Uh, so we may see before sooner rather than later some cutting uh, there in the staff, and and uh, you know I don't know I don't know who's going to do it. I'm, I'm scared to death they're going to give it to Chapman. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Maloney. Uh, frankly, I wouldn't mind seeing Micah Owings uh, win it, uh, if only because it'd be fun to see how long it takes before Marty Brenneman's head explodes. He's uh, he's not the president of the Micah Owings fan club, certainly. <laughs> so, uh, but here's, uh, here's another. My next question is: as we move out of the the starting rotation here, how many pitchers do you think they'll carry when they when they come north, east, whatever? Uh, Seventeen or eighteen, I guess is probably what Baker <laughs> would like to have. Uh, I would because I would more guess, is less. I mean, the more pitchers you have, the less <laughs> pitching changes you make. Right, and if you don't know what that means, uh, well, none of us know what it means. But uh, go check out the post at redlegnation dot com that uh, Chris had about that. Gee whiz, um, I think uh, that. Well, I, I think sir, at twelve, um, 
Certainly. Would I, you agree that, think, that Massett, Rhodes, Burton, Herrera, and Cordero have all have the team made? Yes. Yes. I'm looking down the list here to see if there's anyone else I think has the team made. Uh, you said Herrera, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I think Micah Owens has the team made. Yeah, I do too. I I think Micah Owens is absolutely. What The question is going to be whether he's uh, in the bullpen or not. Right. Or in you, left field, I, you know. Do you think Mike Lincoln has the team made? Uh, he's got a major league contract. That ridiculous contract that uh, Walt Jockety, you know, uh, what's what's up with his two year contracts given that year to Mike Lincoln and uh, Willie Tavares? Come on, Jockety. Um, I don't think he's got the team made. No, uh, after especially after his poor performance. But I think he's probably, uh, you know, right next on the list, the top of the list. Which, and I'm not really sure why. Frankly, he's not performed. He didn't perform that well the year before he got the uh, – he was adequate, I guess, but uh, I mean, the year before he got the if, big contract. If you assume that – if we assume that Lincoln doesn't have the team made and that Owings is not the number five, if he's in a, if Owings is the fifth starter, then we got two spots open in the bullpen. If Owings is not the fifth starter, you got one spot open in the bullpen. And scanning down the list, uh, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, – To I see, got, Car- I got. I, I'm looking at Bill Bray. I'm looking at Carlos Fisher. Yeah, Fisher's the one I was going to say. Bray. You know what I've been hearing? Uh, I heard today was that uh, Anario Del Rosario. They're very uh, high on him. He threw a heck high. of a sinker. Yeah, he got. I think he's got a sidearm motion or something. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like that um, come north with the team. Six two, one sixty five. You talk about tall and lanky. Um, Maybe weighs they could the use same. him for the stirred drinks. <laughs> I know it. He weighs the same as Daniel Ray Herrera, who's uh, <laughs> eight in, eight inches shorter. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I wouldn't be, you know, frankly, I wouldn't be that surprised to see Chapman make the team out of the bullpen. <clears throat> Maybe start him out in the bullpen. Uh, Except that sort- that's not really the Reds' mo. True, they don't generally do that. Although in a lot of cases, it probably would be a good idea. That's a good point. The Reds you know, aren't, and, and I'm not sure in his case right now it is a good idea. In the adjustment period, I don't. I, I want this kid to go somewhere where he's going to get the pitch. Well, he's been pitching uh, in his life. It's not like he's not had experience. But I agree with you, and and I don't think it's a good idea to bring him uh, east with the team anyway uh, out of uh, spring training, but. You know, if if they don't feel like he's quite ready to to be a starter, I wonder if they're thinking it'll be you know because he'll put some butts in the seats uh, whether or not they should bring him. Uh, well, that's a concern for me. Things, you so. know, and and even John Fay when he you know when he initially said that he thought Chapman would make the twenty five man, he even mentioned that as one of the reasons. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. He's single handedly almost uh, created a ton of excitement around the Reds. When you talk about their, you know. ESPN is talking about the Reds and all these other national uh, media outlets talking about the Reds now because of Aroldis Chapman. I mean, you know, at some point they're in the business to put butts in the seats, and so that's got to go into the yeah the discussions. Um, yeah, they haven't figured out yet that if you win, you'll put butts in the seats. Exactly. Well, it's been so long. No, nobody in that organization was been around since they won, so they don't understand that concept. True. But, um, so let's who move else on. could? Well, who else could possibly make it there real quick? Is there anybody else just looking down the list? Yeah, the I don't bullpen, know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't bullpen. see anybody. I, you know, I, 
you know, I guess theoretically, if Owings is the number five, Lair could make the bullpen. I, you know, they're not going to use him for a short guy. Right. Um, but but if Lair isn't the number five guy, I'd rather see Lair in Louisville. One uh, sort of wild card here is that Dusty Baker said today he's not decided whether or not they're going to bring three catchers with him to open it. Well, we haven't gotten that far yet. We were going to talk. Well, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, but the catcher I, well, has to play I, other positions, he said. Right. But so, if they bring so three, you know who he's talking about. You know, Will uh, Castillo plays 22 positions and none of them well. Right. None of them on, a, on the major league level. or what should, None of them at a talent level uh, worthy of making the major leagues, I, I don't believe. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the fascination with Wilkin Castillo. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they don't, if they bring three catchers, the logical solution would be to only bring 11 pitchers, especially early in the year when you don't really need a fifth starter because there's so many off days. But that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is they're bench, just like last year and the year before and the year before and the year before, they'll end up uh, not, not bringing a, somebody on the bench. Uh, you probably, my guess would be Paul Yonish would end up not making the team if they don't have an extra spot because he's going to be the last man on the roster. Um, and just it, it hamstrings uh, Dusty's you know, sort of in-game management, and he doesn't need any more help uh, hamstringing himself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's look at this. I mean, the starting infield all is set. We know what that's going to be. Right. Uh, uh, who is who's going to be Rose, Concepcion, Morgan, and uh, Perez? Is yeah. That, yeah. But they're, in they're the different. outfield, I mean, we we've got you know Bruce and Dickerson and Gomes have the team made. I believe Stubbs has the teammate unless he just has an absolutely horrible spring. I believe he had had to fall on his face, uh, you know, out of the batter's box uh, at least once a game not to make the team. I think Drew Sutton, Drew Sutton, Drew Stubbs, I think Drew Stubbs is absolutely on the opening day roster. I agree with you, unless he does something crazy, you know, he pulls a Ben Roethlisberger or something. So that's eight guys. So now we're at 20. We got our, 20, our two catchers, which takes us to 22. So that right. means we got three spots left. Two catchers are Hannigan and Hernandez. For those of right. you out there that uh, aren't paying attention, so all right. So we got how many left now? We still need three. Okay. Aaron Miles makes this team. Aaron Miles makes the team if he's healthy, and he's supposed to be back sometime yeah. next day or two. I agree. So, he's absolutely... t- so that's an, a utility infielder. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think Drew Sutton makes the team uh, because he plays several positions, including the outfield. He's sort of like the Jerry Hairston, uh, Ryan Friel type in that but, sense. But aren't I, he and I, Miles the same player? Probably. But I think the Reds like his versatility. I think he makes the team. I really do. If he makes the team, then that means either Knicks or Ballantine don't. Right. Yeah. And Ballantine's I, I, out know, of so, options. Yeah, Knicks is on a – I guess Knicks is on a minor league deal, so he could be he could be optioned. Um, yeah, if, option, he ta- he if he'd go down – yeah. Well, if he's is if he's on a minor league deal, then I think he's he doesn't have any choice. Well, you know, well he may have signed, You know, it may have one of them waiver deals. You know, to yeah. it if you don't make the big club, because he was I invited just, to the big league camp, and a lot of times they, they those guys can opt out if they if they choose. But you see, you know, they're gonna if they're gonna keep Stubbs, Gomes, Dickerson, and Bruce, they're only gonna keep one more outfielder anyway at most. Um, and I think that still leaves a spot for Sutton. You know, Sutton and Miles are both switch hitters. I, I, I think they both make the team. If you um, think they're only going to keep one more outfielder, wouldn't you think it'd be Nick's a left-hander? I would think it would be, 
But plus, you it know, gives you some pop off the bench. And it's just going to be a question whether they're willing to try to lose uh, to risk losing Ballantine. And you know, uh, I, I don't know what to think about Ballantine. Some days I think you know this guy. If you just give him some at bats, he might uh, he might be something. You know, certainly a, a quality fourth outfielder if nothing else. But Ballantine uh, or or Nick, and, you know, as, actually, as I look at it, Nix is not on the forty man roster. Ballantine no, is. So that might be the answer. Um, well, of course, if they uh, have to option Ballantine, they'd have to remove him to keep right. Nick. So yeah, if it came down to one or the other, I mean, they just it would just be for that forty man, that fortieth spot. They'd switch him, but. Uh, and this is assuming we aren't going to have any injuries and all that between now and the end. Of the, I mean, Castillo's not on the forty man either. Right, right. So they'll probably, you know remove Yonder Alonso from the 40 man or something like that to put Wilkin <laughs> Castillo on it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with Ballantine Nicks, uh, assuming everybody stays healthy. Uh, and you know, who knows? They may sign Darnell McDonald and then bring him, uh, with the club, uh, and leave, uh, and get rid of both Nicks and Ballantine. You never can tell with this team, but I think you're right. I think that's what it comes down to. I think the, and then, you know, we're still not talking about Paul Yanish, um, who I've been saying for, since they signed Cabrera, I've been saying, I think Yanish is in triple A to start the year anyway, because I don't see how he fits in. If he makes a team, it's probably at the expense of Sutton, but I'm not sure how he helps. I, I think I'd rather have Sutton on the team. What do you think? Well, the, the only the only way Giannis makes sense to me is if Dusty's going to pull Cabrera late in ball games, and he ain't going to do that. Never in a million years. Um, you know, last year, if you recall, when we had Gonzalez, Alex Gonzalez, Dusty would not play Giannis. I mean, he wouldn't play. It seems like weeks at a time he'd get to play an inning or something. I'm not, I, I think he was like uh, Ralph Mouth in Happy Days when he was on the bench. You know, he, he'd have his street clothes on under his warm-ups. That's right, yeah. I think that was what Giannis, I don't even think he dressed. I think he just put warm-up suit on under his, over his clothes. And so a nickname for Paul Giannis was born, Paul Ralph Mouth Giannis. There Excellent. you go. But, um, you know, but the other issue is to me, Assuming you're correct and Giannis starts the year triple A. Exactly. I know where you're going. Yeah. Uh, Rick, Sw- Rick Sweet is going to have some difficult decisions to make in Louisville. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got, uh, he'll have Zach Cozart there at tri- in triple A as well as Vileka, who they, I guess they're moving to second base, they say. But, um, and of course, and, you can have Todd Frazier there. The Reds are going to want Frazier. Fra- they may want Frazier to play second base down there. I hope they do. I think that's the. I think that's the best place uh, for him. But uh, so yeah, I don't know what they're going to I think Giannis is frankly, I, my opinion is his time probably in Cincinnati is is just about coming to a close. Uh he may uh maybe he'll get dealt, I don't know. He he brings otherworldly defense. Uh, he's just he's so much fun to watch defensively. But the guy's not going to hit much. I don't, he won't hit as much as Drew Sutton, number 1. Dusty played would not play him anywhere other than shortstop last year. Giannis uh, you know, played I think uh, two innings at third base. With all those injuries the Reds had, Dusty Baker refused to move Paul Yonish anywhere else around the infield other than pitcher. He let him play pitcher. Sutton played every position, including the outfield. Um, Yonish is just is clearly not a favorite of Dusty Baker, and I just don't see how – it's obviously not all Dusty Baker's choice here, but I don't see how they keep Yonish. I don't see how he makes sense with the roster makeup as it is. Um, so that's my opinion. I think, it's, I think Sutton uh, and Yonish goes down or Yonish gets traded – I think probably I'd have Zach Cozart getting the bulk of the playing time in AAA. 
at least Kozart's got a chance of uh, he's, his plate discipline's not bad. He's got a chance of being an okay hitter. Uh, you, you know, tough decisions for Rick Sweet and Louisville. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, they really are. Rick, Rick, Rick down there is going to have he's going to have he's going to pull some hairs out trying to get enough playing time for all the guy, all the talent he's going to have. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good problem to have though. It is, and it's been a while since the Reds have had that problem. You know. Um, you know, in the outfield, I don't know. I'm not sure what they're going to do in the outfield down there. They'll have. Uh, we haven't talked about Juan Francisco, who I think the Reds would have liked to make this team uh, out of spring training. I don't think he's got a chance uh, at this point. Although we're still early, I need to say that. But you know, Francisco out there, although they've got him listed as an infielder on the 40-man roster, uh, he's probably a left fielder. You got Frazier if he doesn't play second base. I guess he's a left fielder. You've got Chris Heisey who, if he's in the majors, is going to be a left fielder, probably going to be in center field if he's down in Louisville. Um, so I, think, I don't know. Actually, I think, I think Francisco or Frazier will play third base down there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, actually. Um, I, I'm guessing, but, I, you know. I, but only only one of those two has the chops to play third base in the major leagues. So. Uh, yeah, Francisco is not a third baseman in the big leagues. No, and so I'm, and not sure. I'm not convinced he's an outfielder in the big leagues, but. Uh, I'm. It's funny because, conv- and I don't, I don't think, I don't know if he said this in the interview or whether he, we were just talking about it later. But Logan Parker says that that he is a, just a, that Francisco is just a phenomenal hitter. I mean, he says he hits more bad balls than anybody he'd ever seen. He 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 calls him the Reds' answer to Vladimir Guerrero. Well, you know, I'm afraid there's only one Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, Francisco, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's got otherworldly power. He, uh, you know, and he does. He's he, uh, and somebody had the stat of, you know, I, I believe it was about Francisco, um, number of balls outside the zone and his uh, ability to hit those. But I don't know. I don't see it with Francisco. I don't, I don't either. S- but but the only thing I'll say to that is Logan has seen him play a lot more than I have. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and you know what the Reds, uh, the Reds brass has seen him as well, and they are, are and have been pretty high on him. They've seen him more than we have as well. I, you know, the times I've seen him, I like the kid. It seems like he's a, you know, pretty good player. I'm just not sure where he fits in or, or how, uh, especially with this organization. I I don't see it. I don't know. Um, so I'm I'm pulling up his uh, minor league uh, numbers now. Actually, I want to see what his hitting numbers looked like uh, last year. Um, and, it, and again, you're talking age 22 uh, in Carolina, so that's not uh, not that old, you know. Yeah, that's eight, eighteen o- the majority o- of the year, you know. Yeah. Eight, you know, eight, 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 8 OPS, you know. His on-base percentage is terrible, but it's always going to be terrible. But his well, slugging was over 500, and you can't complain too much about that. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm not... <sighs> I don't see any progress in learning the strike zone and, and, no. and in, in the major leagues, you know, I, I don't see how you can get by uh, with that lack of uh, plate discipline in the major leagues. I, I just, you can get by with it in the Southern league, maybe, or in the international league. Um, you know, although his on-base percentage in 22 games in Louisville was 384, but that's because he hit 359. His, his on-base percentage is all batting average pretty much. Yeah. So I don't know. The, the I, other guy that we haven't mentioned is Danny Norn. And if there if there's a guy in the Reds organization that gets less respect with decent numbers than Danny Dorn, I don't know who it is. 
I'm with you. Uh, Danny Dorn is a, a great candidate to be a, a sort of a fourth outfit platoon type guy in the major leagues. The guy, the guy hits. That's all he does. He hits. Yeah. You know, there, there. You know, he had a kind of a down year a little bit last year. He came on towards the end, I believe. Um, but even at that, I mean, his, his his on base percentage was three three almost three forty. You know, and he and he hits. You know, he hits. What is he? He's a right handed hitter, right? Do, 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 do. No, he bats left. Okay, he kills right-handed pitching. Then I mean, just absolutely destroys it. And you know, I and we may have talked about this before, or else I talked about it with somebody else. I was kind of surprised that Danny wasn't selected in the Rule Five. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I, I thought, thought maybe an American League team would take a chance with him. You know, apparently, supposedly he's not a real good defensive player. You know, but he could he could have DH'd and, and platooned a little bit, and you know they could have hit him on the bench somewhat out in the American League, and, and I, I you know he's put up good numbers for the Reds almost every year, and nobody ever talks about him. Yeah, I, he's a he's a good candidate for a, a type of guy to come up at age twenty five or twenty six, and uh, you know OPS 800, 850, something like that. And if you pick his spots, he may be higher than that. If you, you just spot him against uh, just right handers. I just don't, you know, I don't know. Um, but he's another one that Rick's going to have to find. Rick Sweet's going to have to find a you know place for him down in Louisville. Right. Yeah. Either left field or first base or some combination of the two. And and you've got uh, other, you, as we said, Francisco maybe out there and uh, Chris Heisen at first base. You got Yonder Alonso and I don't know. We'd like to see uh, Logan Parker bumped up to Triple A at some point this year. Uh, it's just a. Uh, I'm I'm glad I don't have his job. I guess we'll say that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be a. You know, Dorn's slugging percentage is every not to interrupt there. Yeah, sorry about that. But his slugging percentage is every bit as good as um, what Juan Francisco's has been. Uh, although he's a little older and maybe been a year older at the le- at each level, but uh, his career on base percentage in the minor leagues three seventy five. I mean, and yeah, and his slugging's why. and his and his slugging's over five hundred. Yeah, I, I don't know why he doesn't get talked about. I agree, but yeah, Sweet's got a tough job. And um, he even and, and, and talk about disrespect. He hit a home run yesterday, and they misprinted his name in the Enquirer today. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, poor, poor guy. You talk about can't get a break. I mean, he's that's, the he's that's the, Rod- the epitome of no respect. Yeah, he's he's the Rodney Dangerfield of uh, no <laughs> doubt about it uh, of the Reds organization. Uh, See Jay Bruce Homer today, since we're talking about the outfield there. No, I, I haven't seen anything about today's game yet. Yeah, they lost ten to four um, to the D backs. So anyway, you know, they're really back to sort of the subject we were on. There aren't really very many open spots, are there? And I don't remember a year when things have been sort of so wide open uh, for the Reds, but there are very few. And you talk about maybe a couple uh, spots in the bullpen, maybe one, maybe a. Uh, Maybe uh, in the one starting position spot, and then you know maybe I don't know. It's it's down to four or five people for two positions uh, in terms of position players. Yeah, I, you know I think there's going to be shuffling around in the outfield. You know I think you're going to see you know Gomes and, and and Stubbs and Dickerson and Bruce. You know I think Jay will play most the most of the time. I think against some tough left-handers, they'll probably sit him down and you know throw Johnny Gomes over there or Chris Dickerson. Uh, I think Stubbs will play most of the time, you know, assuming he's playing okay. Um, hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll be getting on base because he's going to, you know, we all know he's going to lead off. Yeah. Um, it, it's a shame that Dusty's got the pre-printed lineup cards because Chris Dickerson is a much better option leading off. 
Oh, sir, he'll get on base. He'll get on base more. Um, I think so, anyway. Uh, yeah, and and of course, your worst hitter out of your first eight is likely to be Orlando Cabrera, but he's a shortstop, and Dusty's shortstop's bat second. Yeah. Period. That's it. Yeah. You Always. you knew that you knew that wasn't going to change. We're watching a full year of they got rid of Alex Gonzalez finally, who'd been batting second most of the time, and plugged in Paul Yonish, who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Plugged him right into the second spot in the in the lineup. Uh, just ugh, Dusty and his lineup shenanigans. Um, Chris Heisey played some right field today. Um, I wonder if Chris Heisey's got a chance. Uh, I, I don't see how with the names ahead of him, but he's the type of guy that I wouldn't be surprised in June he's in the major leagues to stay. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I, I think a lot of this stuff, these decisions, and it's not fair, but it's the business of it, is yep. going to come down to who has options. Yep, no doubt, and, and, and Heisey and, certainly and, does. In, in that case, you know, Heisey and Frazier and Francisco are, are going to be in Louisville. Yeah. No matter Frazier, and, and Valleca. You know, Valleca started out hitting, playing pretty well. Yeah, I think Valleca is the type of guy. He's not going to be – I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but I think he is a, going to be – could be a solid backup for the next few years on the major league level once he uh, makes it. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold that Valleca's star should have fallen as much as it did after one bad year. Uh, and I, yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, I said that too. And and I saw him play in, in Dayton and a little bit in, in Sarasota, and he was very impressed and very impressive. I mean, he just seemed to be one of those guys. And this is one of those things that you can't prove. But he seemed to me to be one of those guys that makes the players around him better. That's sort of what I said about Todd Frazier after watching Frazier play uh, several times last year. Uh, but, yeah, um, Valleca had a dumb injury last year. He punched a water cooler or something, and uh, he was out for a while. And that causes – you know, he'd be off to a slow start anyway. And by the time he got back, he hit fairly well the rest of the season, but his season was basically shot. So should that one bad season with those extenuated circumstances uh, – he was one of the top, what, three or four prospects in the system last year, according to everybody. So Yeah, and he had set – and he had, I mean, he set records in the Pioneer League. He, he – he crushed the ball at Dayton before, and and I think he was only in Dayton for half a season, something like that, before he got called up to Sarasota. I'm taking a look at that now. Um, and, you know, He's the Dayton, type of guy that. Yeah, he go played. Ahead. He played 79 games in Dayton in 2007, and 57 in Sarasota that year. And you know his OPS was 846 in Dayton when he got when he got called up. Wow, he's the type of guy that could be a uh, you know. A second baseman. I don't know if that that spot's going to be available in this organization, but a major league second baseman possibly. I think he's. I think he'll end up being a sort of a you know all around the infield type uh, on the major league level. Um, but who knows uh, if he if he starts out uh, the regular season well this year, really hitting the ball, he might force his way back into the Reds' plans, or at least force his way into a a trade somewhere where somebody needs a second baseman. Yeah, and he he could I you know just and this is me just talking, you know, and I, and I don't know anything and I readily admit that all the time. But he could end up being one of those gritty second base, you know, middle infield guys that, you know, that plays hard and, you know, goes yeah. you know, one for 3 every day or you know, one for 4, you know, every other day or whatever and and, and plays hard and breaks up double plays and hustles and and you know, takes the extra base, and one of those guys, a little spark plug type guy, and and they're always valuable, whether they're starting for you or whether they're you know they're they're on your bench. And and they're more valuable uh, in the Queen City because Reds fans love that kind of guy, and so you got you'll have a fan favorite on your hands as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, 
You did say something a moment ago that I think I need to point out. You are absolutely correct. You don't know anything. I admit that every day. <laughs> Sorry. I, I couldn't let that pass without, without agreeing with you 100%. Uh, yeah, so lots of decisions to make. We're still early in the spring. Uh, we always, every year, we complain uh, either at Red Leg Nation or I think we complained about this last year on this uh, podcast about the Reds making uh, heavyweight decisions based on a few at-bats or a few innings pitched in spring training. You know, uh, I hate seeing any spots won or lost based solely on what happened in the spring because there's so many variables uh, about the spring. But um, with these last couple of spots, it, that may be what, yeah, what tells the tale, whether it's Sutton or maybe Giannis will hit well for uh, four weeks or something, and you know the Reds will decide he can – he can make the team, or maybe Ballantine will start crushing the ball, um, and the Reds will decide they don't want to part ways with him yet. So it'll be interesting to watch how all that goes the next few weeks. You mentioned you mentioned Matt earlier when we were talking about the pitching, and I did, I did want to pass along that I did get an email from Matt today. Um, he was talking; it was just like a two-line email, but he said that pretty much that the. Uh, facilities out there are just what everybody's been saying that they're phenomenal that everything really? seems to have been done right wow i'm uh i'm jealous uh i hear a rumor that you might get a chance to to go out there next year i'm really hoping that ha- that happens well my boss better known as my wife informed me that we're going to spring training next year so i you know i'm getting ready to put it on the calendar oh man yeah you need to plan that immediately we're going to get you an official red leg nation uh video camera and uh, a recorder and have you out there uh, doing a little work while you're out there. We, we could take up a collection like C. Trent did. Ah, that's what we'll do. Take up a collection to, no, <laughs> to get you out there. To, <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're, you no, know, because if, you, if we did that, you'd have to go out there and work uh, instead of enjoying yourself. And, uh, and you we know. know that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, that should be fun. I'm still... Uh, hoping that I can work it out with my schedule and everything. Um, my wife's given me the go-ahead to do the uh, fantasy camp uh, out there, the Reds fantasy camp. So I'm still hoping I'll get a chance to do that next year. I don't know if it's going to be next year or the year after. but uh, I've had a couple of friends that did that. And, when, and this was, and I don't know what it costs now. I think at the time it was five grand, the three grand right. or five grand, I can't remember. And they said it was worth every dime. Yeah, I don't think it's quite that much. I don't remember though. It's been a while since I looked uh, at this point. But yeah, everything everyone I've talked to just say yeah, it's just for, you know for people like us who are just you know insane, um, and for some reason uh, still hanging on to this team uh, after all these losing seasons. Uh, I'm too. Old I guess it's sort of right idea. up our alley. I'm too old for that now. I'd end up on life support. <laughs> I might too. I might too. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to another topic that I think's fairly interesting. Yeah, it was a post that you made uh, a couple days ago, and you added a poll at Red Leg Nation, and I thought it was a real interesting uh, poll. Why don't you go ahead and, if you want to, or if you want me to, I'll go ahead and let me just go ahead and uh, sort of preview it. Uh, your question was, what must the Reds accomplish for Dusty Baker to return as manager in 2011? And I think this is a really interesting question because uh, there's a sort of a pretty wide uh, – yeah, the opinions vary widely on uh, on Dusty Baker. I know what my answer is on here. I think it might be the same as yours. I know what I voted in the poll, but uh, uh, what do you think about uh, Dusty's chances of being back? Well, I, you know, I tried when I wrote the the poll question. I tried to cover every eventual, you know, every possible occurrence that I could think of. 
I don't think there's any. Well, I won't say I don't think there's anything. I think there's very small chance that Dusty doesn't finish. Oh, uh, ten, uh, two thousand and ten as the Reds manager. Uh, I agree. I, I guess if they absolutely collapsed, you know, in April or May, I guess it's possible. But I don't foresee that happening, and I think it would really have to be awful for them to let Baker walk. Um, so, other than that, I tried to cover every eventuality I could think of. And basically what I said is I think they need to win a wild card spot. I think they need to make the playoffs. I think if they make the playoffs, I think Baker's back. I don't think a winning record will do it for him. Yeah. So I think the bar isn't completely low, but it's not real, real high either. Yeah, I I agree, and that's the way I voted, uh, win a wild card spot. That's actually running third in the uh, voting right now. Um, I, I disagree with the number one, 45% of uh, voters said that uh, Dusty just has to post a winning record this year to, to uh, be brought back. And I I don't see that happening. Um, you know, you got a, a new GM you don't, you now. You don't see them having a winning record, or you don't see that being enough to bring Dusty back? <laughs> I don't see that being enough to bring Dusty back. I think there's a chance they'll have a winning record. Um, I would hope that the Reds' expectations would be higher than that for their manager. Well, and I think that there's a couple of things that, that go into that. I think that the next three years or so are really going to be the, the window is going to be opening for this team to compete. Is Dusty Baker the guy you want in, in, in charge of these young arms? Is he the guy you want in charge of this team? Uh, we've never seen him, you know, his success that he's had, and he has had some success as a manager, it's all been with veteran laden teams. But in addition, his contract is up this year. I agree that he'll serve out the year, but at the end of the year, you've got Walt Jockett as your general manager who did not hire Dusty Baker who you would imagine wants his guy in his manager or as manager of the team, and it's a perfect opportunity for him to bring in his guy. Uh, we've heard rumors that that guy might be Tony La Russa, and we'll save the complaining about that for another day. But either way, I just don't see a winning record being enough for them uh, not to make a move. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. We'll be wrong again. Um, winning a wild card spot, as I said, was third place with 17%, and and, and making the playoffs and having a good showing. That was uh, second place. That's 18% in the voting. So Yeah, there's only two votes different right now between those two. So Right. Uh, 34%, I don't know about this, uh, but th- or excuse me, 8%, uh, not 34%, 8% say that he'll be back no matter how the team plays in 2010. And I I don't know. That, I, that should have been 0%. I, you know, if the team craters uh, and wins <laughs> 60, 60 games, you think he'll still be back? I know. Um, 5% say that he won't be back no matter how the team plays. Uh, you know, they win the World Series, he's going to be back. Um, they win the National League Central, frankly, he'll be back. Uh, I think they'll be back if he wins a wild card spot, but and that was the other one. Uh, 1% says he has to win the National League title to come back. 2% say he has to win the World Series, and 4% say he has to win the Central. So, uh, interesting question, and um, I think it's something to watch. Uh, certainly, as we as the season goes on, you know, and. Watch how Dusty manages this team if he feels like his job's on the line. So, I don't know. Yeah, because there definitely are different ways you manage, you know. You know, one, one is you manage for, for long terms, and one is you play every game like it's it's deciding your season. What happens if they get to July and, you know, they're f- six games or five games out of the wild card spot, which is not 
out of the race, but it's also, you know, you got four or five teams ahead of you. And Dusty starts, uh, they bring up Chapman, and he starts pitching Chapman and Bailey and Cueto, uh, 120 pitches a game, just trying to, trying to, uh, well, kind of like he rode Mark Pryor and, uh, and Kerry Wood that year. Now, whether he caused their injuries is up for debate. I'm not going to get into that argument today, but there's no question that as, as they were, you know, fighting for the playoffs that year, he rode them hard. And, it, it, you know, that, that's going to something that concerns me if the Reds are, because the Reds are going to have to have a lot of things break right to be in contention anyway. I don't want to see him uh, reverting back to some of this crazy stuff um, just to save his job. That, that concerns me. Yeah, it does me also. But you would hope that the front office would set the marching orders before they allowed the future of this ball club. But, you know, look at what has happened to Harangue in the last two years. Definitely, definitely. So, oh goodness, I don't know. Well, I'm, 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 now I'm depressed. Yeah, but I'm resolved to be uh, happy and excited, and uh, you know, so I'm not going to talk about this anymore. We're just going to move on, and and we talked thought about maybe talking about the uh, the the dust up with Brandon Phillips and John Fay this week, and I don't know if I've got the uh, the heart to get into that right now either, because I'm I'm trying to stay optimistic, Chad. Well, I think we've kind of beat that to death on the blog. There, there are a few, a couple of guys that think that Fay was out, that John was out of line. There are a couple of people that think that you know John was just right in what he believed. You know, I I think maybe you could make the case that John's a beat writer and not a columnist, and that maybe this was the you know, the job of a columnist, maybe, and not the job of a, a beat writer. I don't know. Um, but maybe John's just tired of dealing with Brandon Phillips. You know, dealing with the immaturity of, of, the, of the, the seeming immaturity of the guy. You know, I don't know the man. He may be the most mature guy in the world. I, I have a hard time believing it. But, you know, I, I don't think any of us know what John's motivation was for writing this. But I don't think he was out of line to write it. You know, if it was, you know... If he was, his editor would have spiked it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was out of line either, regardless of what you think about Brandon Phillips. And every time you say something like this, you get the people coming out of the work saying, oh, quit piling on Brandon Phillips. You know, Brandon Phillips is a good player. Well, you know what? Brandon Phillips is a good player. There's no question about it. I like, uh, you know, in the sort of a vacuum, having Brandon Phillips on my team. Uh, he's a great fielder, and, you know, he's not. he doesn't kill you at the plate. He's not a number four hitter, really, but although that's what Dusty thinks he is. But... Uh, he's not, he's not the problem with this team. When you start listening to the things, the re, places the Reds need to improve, uh, Brandon Phillips is not near the top of that list. But with Faye, um, I don't have a problem at all with him sort of calling uh, Phillips out on that. He's not the first beat writer to call uh, Phillips out on th- this sort of behavior. And you know, you made the distinction between beat writer and uh, columnist, and I understand that. But it's sort of a different world now. You know, Faye's out there giving his opinions all the time on Twitter and on his blog. And uh, he's, he's not, you know, I guess the the borders between columnist and beat writer have changed with the, with the new media over the last uh, decade. And um, I, I didn't have a problem with him doing it, agree or disagree with with it. And, again, I, I think it just, it looked like to me that it displayed some uh, immaturity on Phillips' part. But I don't know Brandon Phillips. And, and I love w- watching him, you know, when he – he got that big smile on his face, and when he's on base and he goes first to third, you know, uh, when he steals uh, second and third on the same plays he's in a couple times. And, you know, I, I don't hate Brandon Phillips, but 
I do tire of uh, what we sometimes call the Brandon Phillips show, uh, his his act. So, but I don't know. It was a now. See there, I said I didn't want to get into this, and you went and got me talking about the, the whole Phillips. Thing. My Thanks biggest a lot. problem with the article when was any comparison at all between Brandon Phillips and Barry Larkin. You lose me right there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know Phillips said early on when he came to say hey, that that's who he wanted to be was uh, Larkin, but you can like Phillips and think he's a pretty good player. But uh, what was the quote uh, did he that mean Sparky Byron said? Or about- did he mean Steve Larkin? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, maybe maybe he's a good basketball player. Maybe he's uh, a Byron, Byron Larkin. Larkin. Yeah, or Mike uh, Larkin, Xavier. the linebacker at Notre Dame. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, but not Barry. It reminds me of the quote that. Uh, Sparky Anderson had about Johnny Bench when uh, someone was trying to compare, I guess it was Thurman Munson maybe, to uh, to Johnny Bench. And, and Sparky said, let's not embarrass any other catcher by comparing him to Johnny Bench. Well, when it comes to red shortstops, uh, I'm I'm a Larkin fan through and through, my favorite player uh, ever. Uh, let's not let's not embarrass Brandon Phillips. Let's not denigrate Brandon Phillips because the things he does well, he does very well. And But uh, let's not denigrate him by comparing him to, to Larkin because there's uh, he's not he's not Barry Larkin. And that, that's not that's not even a put down. There are very few Barry Larkin. There's only been one here. I mean, I've been I've been watching Reds baseball since the mid '60s, and I've gotten to see some pretty darn good shortstop play. And uh, there ain't there. I, I actually I won't even just say shortstop. I said some pretty good infield play. Yeah. And I'll take Barry Larkin. Defense, you know. Well, I won't say that. Next to the the two great years, incredible years Joe Morgan had in the mid '70s, I'll take Barry Larkin over any of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Larkin is the my favorite player, as I said a moment ago. And uh, you know, of course, uh, got to watch his whole career. You know, I sort of came in at the tail end of some of those big red machine guys. Uh, but uh, I got a soft spot in my heart for Barry Larkin. Uh, we talked earlier how disappointed that uh, we were that he didn't get into the Hall of Fame. But I uh, hope that comes next year. But yeah, yeah, Brandon Phillips is is no Barry Larkin. But you know, Brandon Phillips is Brandon Phillips. Uh, he's you know I, I want to like the guy, but he. You know he'll. I don't know. I, I don't want to. Can I tell you my Larkin family story real quick? Yes, please do. I was at a at a conference a number of years ago, sitting next to this gentleman, and we got to talking, and and I introduced myself, and he introduced himself to me, and he said his name was Larkin, and I said, Larkin. I said, Are you? He said, Yeah. He said Barry and Byron are my sons, so it was Barry and Byron's dad. At the time, yeah. I had Xavier season basketball tickets, and I had got a chance to see Byron play, and saw the, what a class act Byron was. I mean, I saw I saw him come out of locker rooms and sign autographs for kids for seemingly an, you know half hour, and Barry was always just a class act, and it's well known around Cincinnati that the Larkin family are a classy bunch. And I said that to to him, and he and he was very appreciative. But it, it was kind of cool to meet the, you know their dad. Yeah, I read it. And I don't know if it was when Larkin was retiring or uh, people were doing some retrospectives of him, but I read an uh, article. I can't can't remember which paper it was in, but and they had a, a quote in there from uh, from Larkin uh, Larkin's father that has always stuck with me, and it's sort of uh, you know sort of the way I'm trying to raise my kids in a lot of ways in this respect. Um, somebody said something to him about all the dirt spots in his backyard where they had home plate or whatever, you know, they were batting out there and playing ball and stuff and said, you know, you should do something about those uh, dirt spots out there. And, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm raising sons. I'm not raising a lawn. Uh, and I thought, you know, that, 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 uh, that we always had those dirt spots in, in our yard growing up. And, uh, 
Uh, although I didn't quite turn out uh, to be the player that Larka was, but that, that always sort of stuck with me. So that's interesting. Yeah, well, that's a better... pre- there's a pretty good pedigree of, uh, of athleticism in that family. Yeah, in, in all sports. I mean, you know, that, you talk about football, basketball, and baseball. So, yeah. and and probably... uh, and Byron was offered football scholarships, as was yeah. Barry. Right. Uh, amazing. Uh, well, that's just about time, probably to to wrap it up. That's a good note to wrap it up on. It's always good to talk about uh, about Larkin. Um, unless there's anything else you can think of, we need to dive into. The only the only other thing I wanted to say is. Got interviews set up for between now and hopefully between now and opening day with uh, John Fay and with Chris Welsh. They're both going to meet, uh, t- sit down and talk to us from Arizona, and so we'll get their opinion on, on the way the roster's shaping up and what they think of uh, Chapman and and the rest of our young players, and and what direction they think the team's going to go this year. Yeah, it'd be good to get some. Uh eyewitness reviews of what's been going on out in a good year uh we're gonna be doing something uh, sort of new with the the podcast uh, over the next few weeks as well uh got some of our other editors at red leg nation sort of up and online now and uh are, we did kind of the overview of the reds uh roster and what, what spots were open today but we're going to go a little bit more in depth over the next few weeks going to try to uh with a, some different uh editors coming on to go over the infield and the outfield and the starting staff and uh really sort of dive into some of that uh, as well as talking about whatever's going on in, in reds in red leg nation uh, at the time. There seems like there's always something going on these days. So Bill, good uh, talking to you again. Always good to be talking to you. Oh, that's true. It is always good to be talking to you. I'm glad you got the chance to do that today. Um, and all of you, I'm glad you got a chance to download and listen to, uh, this, uh, crazy, uh, Southern accent, uh, along beside the uh, the veteran leader of RedLegNation.com. Hope you'll join us again next time. Uh, as always, you can download these podcasts uh, at RedLegNation.com slash RN Radio. There's an RN Radio tab up there at the top of RedLegNation that you can just click on. You can uh, subscribe through iTunes. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, Twitter.com slash RedLegNation. Uh, and then you've got Facebook.com slash RedLegNation. The uh, number of fans growing daily. Be a, become a fan of uh, RedLegNation. Um, and of course, uh, until next time, which hopefully will be, uh, sometime in the next few days, we'll be back at you with yet another edition of Red Lake Nation Radio. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long.